Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I want to speak with you, can you get my phone, briefly, about what I perceive as one of the great challenges of our generation and of our time. And that is the capacity to discern between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation or conviction. This is really important, more critical than it appears on the surface because many people reject instruction because they perceive it as condemnation. I remember some years ago I saw a person at an amusement park wearing a shirt and it says, only God can judge me. And I watched him as he walked and I said, I wonder if he understand what that means across his chest. Only God can, ju can judge me. If you really understand that, that ought to put the fear of God in you. Because God, as the ultimate judge, has, there's no place to appeal. There's no appellate court. You can't appeal his decision. And that's why Paul says, and knowing the terror of God, we warn the wicked. So what you want to be is in the will of God at all times. Condemnation only comes to those who are out of him. It's only, and we'll talk, we'll talk not philosophy, but scripture. And, and may God make it plain to each of us. But earlier this week, I was in the presence of these three and four star generals and leaders in the marketplace in Boston. And one of them uh, stood up and he talked about the code of honor for uh, the cadets at West Point. The code of honor for West Point cadets. And this is what it says. A cadet will not lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate those who do. A cadet will not lie, steal, steal, or cheat, or tolerate those who do. The last part is the accountability. And the reason they established this code of honor is because they were losing the character of the armed forces was in question because people were not living in a way that was consistent with their oath to defend and uphold the Constitution. And they decided we want to change the image that the world has of us because we have a responsibility to keep peace in the whole world. We're the most powerful nation in the world and we have to walk a certain way. If the cadets who uphold the Constitution recognize the importance of honoring that Constitution they withhold, how much more should the children of God uphold? Let everyone who names the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. Y'all know the Bible. Am I talking to 
Am I talking to anybody? Let everyone who names the name of Christ. So the, the part that, I, that struck me was, we won't tolerate those who do. Because if I am responsible only for me, then the we might fail. Do you understand? Let me give another example closer to home. I was in a, a, a church called Crossings, the Crossings, in Oklahoma. And it was a Tuesday night and the young people were getting together and they don't let anybody of a certain age come in. They are um, contained within themselves. And so I have a few gray hairs and when I came to the door, they stopped me. We'll have the leader come out and talk to you. And the person who I was with was one of the pastors who also had gray hairs. And all of us who were there, they came and they talked to us, but they didn't want anyone above a certain age to come in. And I don't know if they thought we would contaminate the place or that we would try to change their culture and bend them to our will and shape us into our image and likeness, or maybe it was all of the above. But standing out there, they told some stories. And the pastor who was hosting me said, the reason we trust them is because they've proven themselves to be trustworthy. What they do, and he said, you see all those people in there? They let me stand in the back, in the dark, at the door, and look in. And Elder Ardelia, there must have been at least a thousand young people. And they were worshiping and they were free. And he said, here's what they do. When a new believer comes, and they are behaving in a way that is not like Christ, they pull them aside and say, you can't do that. You're now representing, you are a Christian. You can't, and then they open up the word and they communicate it. Not in a way that's condemning, but in a way that helps them to know the straight and narrow way. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I wonder if young people had the spiritual discipline and character to do that if they would think differently about the church, if they had the freedom as they were singing, let me tell you about my Jesus. That only happens when you have experience with him, not based on what someone else tells you. You now know the truth, and now you can hold other people accountable with love. But let me, all of that was to set up condemnation versus conviction. And let me tell you why I think is one of the big challenges. Because so many people reject instruction because they perceive it as condemnation and they shut it out. And they shut it out. Let me tell you a few stories. First, let me define both. Condemnation is a strong disapproval of conduct or behavior. It comes with a sentence that includes judgment. And that's why the young man had on his chest, nobody can judge me but God. And talk to the hand. I don't want to hear from anyone, only God. That attitude worries me because if that's your attitude, you're less likely to hear from God. Because God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. But in order for that to happen is you have to hear him. 
So if you're rejecting stuff, you cannot hear him. The world is already condemned. The spirit of God, the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to convict the world of sin. But when I am doing something that's sinful and I reject it because it's like, no, you're condemning me and nobody can condemn me. I don't hear the truth. And I become like those who are on his left hand, who Jesus himself describes as goats. But the ones on his right hand are sheep. And what's the difference between the nature of a sheep and a goat? A sheep recognizes that I need the covering of the shepherd. I can't defend myself without my shepherd. The rod and the staff of the shepherd comforts me, but a goat does its own thing. A goat will leave the flock, will not listen to the voice of the shepherd, and only come in when they're ready to eat. I would not want to spend my life in the presence of a holy God and only coming when I'm hungry and I need to be fed. I want to come even more when I'm empty because the ones who hunger and thirst, they're the ones who shall be filled. The ones who are full and who only want to come just to be full are more likely to miss him. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? So you get the definition of condemnation? It's a strong disapproval of conduct or behavior. And if God disapproves of my conduct or behavior and I don't hear God, I have spiritual blindness and I justify myself and I shut everything out, including the truth. And with a gospel of cheap grace, it's even more dangerous because you feel justified. Let me talk about the other side of the coin, conviction. Conviction is an inner sense of correction that leads to repentance. God's idea for conviction is to lead me and you to repentance so that we don't stay in a state that will bring condemnation. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, he said when God chastens us, he does it so that we will not be condemned with the world. It even says when God judges us, he does it so that we won't be condemned with the world because you reap what you sow. So if I sow to my flesh, what am I going to reap? To my flesh. And God says, no, no, you don't understand. You belong to me. So he convicts me. And if I respond to conviction, I go right back and I'm in him, there's safety. Have you ever heard anyone say, God loves everybody. He loves you just the way you are. You don't need to change a thing. If someone says that, you say, God bless you. And you begin to breathe a word of prayer <laughs> because that cheap grace is dangerous. Let me tell you a story. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in, if I tell you a story that's not in the Bible, tune me out. Change the channel. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. We're not going to read all the verses, 
but you can be Bereans and check it out, verses 1 through 11. And it's the story of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She was caught in adultery. And the religious people came and they brought her to Jesus. Not with good intentions. Not with good intentions because they wanted to trap him. They were pitting him against Moses. They told him what Moses said, and he tried to tell them, don't you know that I am? Do you know who I am? You're talking about Moses? But anyway, say on. Moses said, if one is caught in the act of adultery, they should be stoned to death. But what do you say? That's what Moses said. What do you say? And he said, I'm not sitting down because I'm tired. I just want to be more fireside with you. What do you say? And he stooped down. He wrote on the ground. He didn't say a word. Nobody knows what he wrote, but they saw it. And then he looked up and he said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And every one of them walked away from the oldest to the youngest. They walked away. And then put up verse 10. I want to read two verses, 10 and 11, because here's the lesson. Verse 10 and 11. John 8, 10 and 11. John 8, 10, and 11. Just those two verses. I think I'm on my own in this. So you, you know how the little ones, when the music stopped playing, Brandy was... Brandy said, and they heard her, keep going. And I said, that's a valuable lesson that they learn. John 8, 10, and 11. If you have your Bibles, you can look. Jesus asked, because she was worried about condemnation. She was ashamed. She was within an inch of her life. They had the stones ready to go. She experienced the grace and deliverance of God. And this is what he says, when Jesus has raised himself and saw no one but the woman, all your detractors, he can take care of them. But in the end, it's going to be you and him. Now it's just you and him. None of them has the authority to condemn you because their lives are not perfect. Their lives are not sin-free. The way we get to perfection is in him because he's perfect. He knew no sin and he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And anyone who has the has the understanding that I'm the righteousness of God, not because of my behavior, but because of his sacrifice, that causes you to deal with people differently. And that's why those religious folk in their own piety were ready to stone her. But Jesus said, 
If you don't have any sin, cast the stone. They put the stones down. And he looked and he saw her and he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Here's a question, Shalena. Do you think they condemned her in their hearts? A hundred percent. They wanted Jesus to co-sign it. They wanted him to say, all right, this is what Moses said. What do you say? Let's do this. But if we just stopped at that verse, we wouldn't get the understanding of the difference between condemnation and conviction. Verse 11. She said, no one. And what did she call him? She was caught in adultery. But when she gets in the presence of Jesus, she recognizes he's Lord. The people who, who spend all their time in the synagogue, who come just to eat and to be filled, didn't see him as Lord. They saw, I hope somebody's getting this, they saw him as someone that they wanted to entrap because they were still following Moses. They rejected him. This person called him what? Lord. Jesus said, okay, if I'm your Lord, listen up. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Here's what I don't want. Leave that up. Leave that up. Here's what I don't want, that God doesn't want you to miss. That the, the absence of condemnation doesn't mean the absence of responsibility. He says, they, I won't let them condemn you, and neither do I, but go and sin no more. Because you're responsible. The only way you can enter into con condemnation is if you don't follow me. He says, go and sin no more. When I talked about cheap grace earlier, what the world espouses, and unfortunately, even some people who hold the mic like I do, is that God loves you no matter what. God loves the world. Jesus died for the world. And the reason I think this is one of the challenges of our time is that there's a culture that tells people that you can do it your way and God is okay with that. There's no standards. The cadets knew if, if we're, we gotta honor, we have to walk in honor if they know it to uphold the integrity of the Constitution. How much more should we uphold the integrity of the Word of God with our lives? Jesus released her from death, a certain death. He released her from shame and condemnation, but he said, go and sin no more. In other words, the reason you're in the position you were in because of what you did, and the reason that you got out of it is because of what I did. And because of what I did, and because you call me Lord, I want you to go and sin no more. Is anybody getting this? That's conviction. She left with a conviction, not condemnation. They tried to condemn her, but she recognized the Lord and she received conviction.
We don't know anything about her life, but I believe we're going to be able to talk to her in heaven because that day, can you imagine what it's like when you know they're about to kill you with a painful death and he comes and delivers you? There's a high probability that she's going to do what he says. If you believe that she left and sinned no more, say amen. amen. What is without question and what is not debatable is that Jesus, even though he didn't condemn her, he held her accountable for how she lived. And see, there's a cheap grace that says, do whatever you want to do, and God is okay with that. What God are you talking about? Just as the cadets need to, good to see you, Elder. Would you wave? I talked about our partners from the Presbyterian Korean Church. He's here. He sent me a text before I got up and said, I'm watching you online. I'll be there. You must have been watching in your car because you got here quick. <laughs> but there is a responsibility that goes with it. Condem condemnation or conviction, it's our choice. But conviction comes to lead us to repentance. Are you with me? All right, so how do we, as citizens of the kingdom and children of the king, those who inherit, it, inherit what Jesus died to give us. How do we navigate this and help people around us, but also be instructed ourselves? So I, first, I must first be instructed because there's no, as I said, when I stand before God, there's no appeal. It's all written in a book. And if I'm found in Jesus, I'm good. If I'm outside of him, I'm on my own and I have no chance. And the same for you. So here's another story. This story, does that story work? Should I keep storytelling? Yeah, as long as it's from the Bible, right? Yeah, somebody said, that's right, amen. I know y'all watching. So this story is about a wise king and two harlots, two harlots and a wise king. And that is found in 1 Kings chapter 3. When I'm telling it to you for reference so you can look at it later, but it's in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16 through 28. I'll tell you the story, and we're going to look at one verse together, verse 28. So Solomon is king, and remember... When God appeared to him in uh, 2 Chronicles 6, when the fire of God came down and he asked him, what do you want? What did he say he wanted? Wisdom. May God give us wisdom to navigate this generation, to do it with the grace that Jesus did with that woman so that people respond to the ministry of the Holy Ghost, which is the first responsibility in John 16 is to convict, to convict. 
but we reject conviction because we perceive it as condemnation. And we're going to go a little deeper, but let me tell you this story about two harlots and a wise king. There were two harlots who the Bible says dwelt together. They lived in the same house. And one of them, they both had their little children. They were nursing them. And one of them at night rolled over, must be a hard sleeper, smothered the child, and the child died. And she got up in the morning, grief-stricken, but tells you something about her heart because she takes her dead baby, puts it on the chest, the breast of the, the other woman, and takes the living one and takes it for hers. But when the, when the other woman wakes up, she's, this is not my son. A mother knows, come on, you might think they all look alike, but a mother's like, no, 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 that's not my son. So part of the responsibility of a king was to judge. People come to the gate and he exacts judgment. And anyone who leads in the fear of God must do it justly. Those are the words of King Solomon, who's this wise king in the story. So they both argue, and the arguments sound true. It's kind of like in a court of law today. If you listen to both sides, you'll be confused. You won't know the truth. You're like, wow, that was convincing. Wow, they were to, whoa, no, they got a point too. And you're like going back and forth, back and forth. So Solomon listened to them, to both of them, and he said, go get a sword. And he got the sword. And as he was drawing back the sword, one of them said, cut him in half. Half for me, half for her, and neither one of us will have him. The other one said, do not harm the child. Don't harm the child. Let him live. She can have him. Just don't harm him. Solomon put down the sword. And he said, give him to the second one. That's the mother. But here's the lesson. Put up that one verse. And all Israel heard of the judgment. Come on, what it heard of the what? Judgment. See, we think of judgment as only negative. Like judgment and condemnation go together. They live in, they dwell in the same house like these two harlots. And when you read this verse on your own, I want you to notice something. He never referred to them as harlots. He saw them as two mothers, two women. I hope you hear this. When someone is doing something that is out of the will of God, you don't go calling that out because that is what? Condemnation. There's a way for God to exact judgment in a way that can lead a person to repentance because they are convicted. Are you hearing me? He said the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king for they saw 
that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. The wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. God is just. And God is justified in condemnation and he's justified in conviction. And we'll get into the word as to why that is true. It might sound contradictory, but his goal is not to condemn, it's to convict and for you to respond to the conviction. If you don't respond to conviction with repentance, you fall into the camp of what? Condemnation. Not because God did it. That's why he said to the woman, no one condemns you, but you go and sin no more. You have free will. Condemnation or conviction is a choice. It's your choice. When I make daily choices about my life, I choose to do it God's way or my way. And if I don't do it God's way, he will convict me. And I can either respond to it or override it. Do you know what happens when you consistently override the conviction? It becomes easier and you become dull of hearing. Sensitive people. There's some, some of you lovely people who I know well. I've experienced firsthand the sensitivity of your heart to respond and to correct that which you perceive as wrong. And sometimes it's not even that bad, but I, go, I walk away rejoicing because this one, this one hears God. Pride won't stop you from correcting a wrong. Pride won't allow you, won't be a barrier to you asking for forgiveness if you need it, if you respond to conviction. So here's what, thank you for leaving that verse up. Here's what condemnation and conviction have in common. Justice. Because God, who administers judgment, is justified in everything that he does. Because he doesn't do anything to us that's harmful. But I have the capacity to do something to myself that is harmful. Am I the only one? When I look back over my life and some of the decisions I wish I could have back, it's not because of what someone else did, it's because of my choice. And I rejoice in hope because the grace of God, when I come to him and I stay in him, it covers me. See, there is therefore now. Now, somebody say now. now. No condemnation. Put up Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now. Somebody say now. now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean for those who are not in him? You see what I mean? So that's why it's scary for people who don't know. See, the cadets took the oath because they know the Constitution. There are people who come to church who don't even know the Constitution of Heaven. So if I don't know it and the world says, you're good. Let me tell you a story before, leave that verse up. 
It's a real life story. Two people, public figures, I won't name names, very, very public, have, are in a, an adulterous relationship. One left their husband, the other left their wife, left their children, they come together, and they're continuing to live publicly like that. Publicly like that. Their perspective is everyone who's against them, their employers, everybody's wrong. And I know this because I saw an Instagram post that had Jeremiah 54 and 17, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And I'm like, Lord, help them know that you are, don't you know that God doesn't approve of adultery? Don't, do you feel any conviction? It's like you're quoting scripture. Do you know the God who said this? You're openly doing this and you feel justified because you're rejecting. Like that, those people cannot receive correction. It is like what Paul told Timothy to beware of. He said, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and reprobate to every good work. In other words, they're incapable at this point of doing good work. I'm not saying that about them. I'm just quoting the word. Are you with me? I'm saying that there's grace for them. I want them to be led to repentance. I want them to see it. But what is happening is their hearts are being calcified. In other words, Deke, their heart is getting harder because they feel justified in what they've done. We love each other. Maybe you do, but I doubt it. I think you lust each other and your desire has driven you away. And when lust has conceived, Brandy, it worketh sin and then sin worketh death. Death is separation from God. We don't talk about this stuff enough, but this, do you, do you feel that what I'm saying in any way is condemnation? In any way? Because it's meant for conviction, not condemnation. That's God's intention. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you see the safety zone is clear. Be in Christ and walk in the spirit. If you're in the flesh and you walk according to the flesh, you're exposed. But there are people, Reverend Howard, who walk in the flesh, who follow the desires of the flesh, and yet they feel justified. That should never be named among us. If the cadets have enough honor to say, we won't tolerate that, how can we tolerate it? When we know the truth, do you not love a person enough to tell them the truth? The key is how you do it. Jesus delivered that woman, saved her from condemnation, but then he told her, go and sin no more. Did he withhold the truth? But he showed love. See, that's what grace looks like. Cheap grace says, you're not held accountable for anything.
do whatever. They, it's like their, their pastor is T.I. Y'all know T.I.? You can have whatever you like. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Shalana, you know what I'm talking about. He has this song that says, you can have whatever you like. And that's how the world lives. But does this verse say that? But I promise you there are people who are living in the flesh who will quote this and feel justified. But they miss the part that says those who are in Christ, who walk after the Spirit, and who do not walk according to the flesh. Go to verse 5. I'm done because I'm looking at red numbers. I didn't want to do this today. I'm going to finish on this. And if God says so, we can go deeper at another time. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. In other words, the things that you think about, the things that entertain you, the things that bring you pleasure. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit. I want to live a life where my mind is on the things of the Spirit. Because that's how I grow spiritually. I don't want to be a spiritual midget. I want to be a spiritual giant. And as I feed my spirit the things of God, you grow thereby. For every new believer, desire the sincere milk of the word and grow thereby. That's how the Bible says we grow. You have to desire it. Desire the sincere milk of the word and grow thereby. Next verse. For to be carnally minded is what? Now, did I say that or does the Bible say it? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Life and peace. Who among us doesn't want life and peace? Do you want life and peace enough to forsake carnal thinking and carnal behavior and a carnal lifestyle? Because God tells us the prescription for life and peace. If you want life and peace, stand to your feet. And I'm gonna assume everybody who's sitting wants death. <laughs> so nobody should be sitting. <laughs> Because the wages of sin, but the gift of God through Christ Jesus. Here's what I want to say. There's nothing that pertains to life and godliness that we can receive or attain apart from him. It's through him. Even the love of God. Paul in Romans said, neither life nor death nor powers, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor famine, nor sword, or any such thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus.
his love, the reservoir of his love is in Christ. So where do you want to be found? In Christ. So if I walk around claiming his love and I'm outside of that and I'm in a carnal life, I'm exposed. And you know who exposed me? And we want to get rid of that in this instance. It's the one who comes to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. He's the father of lies. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the world. He wants the world to, to be in a blaze of chaos and destruction. But Jesus came that we might have life and that we would have it more abundantly. Do you want abundant life? Or do you want to be killed, stolen from, and destroyed? Intellectually, that's an easy thing. Spiritually, the enemy makes it hard because he sows confusion. Every eye closed, every head bowed while we're standing. The kingdom of God has come near to you today. If you want life, if you want to be in a place where there is now no condemnation, then you need to be in Christ. If you know that you're not in him, don't be ashamed. This was for you. It's as though God is pleading with you in this hour to come because he wants to rescue you. Just like that woman who was condemned to death and about to die, Jesus saved her from death and told her the way of life. Go and sin no more. This is a part of your story. If you want to receive the life that is only in him and there is no life apart from him, I want you to come right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I want you to come while nobody's looking. I want you to come to the altar. Come to the altar just like Jesus, when he looked up, he saw no one else but that woman. He's inviting you to come and to be in his presence, just you and him. You have a choice. You can respond to the conviction that I know you feel because that's what the Holy Ghost does. Or you can be ashamed of condemnation. The choice is yours. of the Lord. As we prepare to close and worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, here's my earnest prayer, my earnest plea for everyone 
who can hear my voice right now. What God wants of us, what God requires of us in this hour are two things. It's not limited to this, but there are two things he's telling me to say. Be honest with yourself and be honest with him. Because the day will come where there will be many, according to the scripture, many who say, Lord, I did this in your name, I did that, and he'll say, I never knew you. Be honest with yourself and be honest with him. And don't you ever be ashamed of him. Because there's a promise in scripture. There's a promise. Whoever is ashamed of me in this world, I will be ashamed of them before my Father in heaven. That's a reality that I don't want anyone to face. And that's my heart as a shepherd. That's why I preach. That's why I teach. That's why I commit my life to this. Regardless of hardship, there's something greater. And you are greater. He didn't die for the world or buildings. He died for people. So you know that the kingdom of God has come near to you today. And as you ponder, because I have a strong sense in my spirit, when all of this is done, and you know that you feel conviction, you can come just one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody has to see, nobody has to know. You don't even need to join this church. It's not about that. It's about your eternal destiny. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.